Welcome back to episode two of The Biggest Fan Pod, the podcast that hands the mic to some of our favourite people in the world of football and invites their biggest fans alongside them to ask the questions we wouldn't know to ask. In this week's episode, our guest Emma Wright, co-chair of Proud and Palace, is interviewed by her wonderful fiancé Joe. We first met Emma a few years ago when we were shooting a documentary about Palace down at Selhurst Park. We fell in love with her not least because of the brilliant work her and her co-chair Steph Fuller do at Proud and Palace and the space that this creates for LGBTQ plus football fans, but also her determination to just make football better for everyone. Big thanks for Emma and Joe for joining us on this episode. January was a long, dark, dismal month and this is the most I'd laughed in its entirety. Hope you enjoy the pod. Awesome. Um, hello everyone. So I'm Jo. We haven't practiced this bit. But that's Emma. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here to talk about talk about your favourite topic, Emma, and probably one of my least favourites. Um, but now I, I think I'm probably becoming a parody of myself and pretending to hate football. Um, to be honest, it's very welcome in our home because it makes you happy, and I'm happy because it means I can read my books in peace yes. for ninety minutes. Yes, this is your favourite thing about football, isn't it? And one of our uh, regular things is when the game finishes, Joe looks up from her book and says, is there another football match on that you can watch? Because I'm at a really good bit in my book now. Um, so yeah, we've watched a lot of football in lockdown, haven't we? Or I have, and you've read a lot of books. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm very glad it's back and you're happier. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, we're all winning. But um, yeah, we thought before we get into football stuff and the amazing work that you do in driving inclusivity in football and stuff. Um, we thought a good little warm-up warm up exercise might, so people get to know us a bit more, um, would be to give people some of our lockdown highlights and lowlights about each other. So um, <laughs> I don't think you've written any down, but I've got some. I've got a laundry list. Um, I haven't. Of- You're always more organised than I am. <laughs> so All right, well, <laughs> I'll do one, you do one on highlights. Okay. So... My first highlight, um, which I think is um, kind of describes you as a person in lots of ways, was um, there was a time in the summer when a massive tree fell down in our garden. And thank God it didn't fall on anything consequential like our flat. Um, but it was about the time you were doing your 5K every day running challenge for 26 days. And that was early lockdown, and I also had COVID. So you were running around our tiny weenie garden for 40 minutes every single morning, which was insane in itself. And then this tree fell down, and you had to, well, you rather than giving up on the challenge, you then decided to swear the tree and keep running for 40 minutes. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, uh, to, giving up yeah. is not an option in that circumstance. Like trees falling over the fence. Um, I did really hear Joe talking to one of her colleagues about me the other day, saying I'm the most bloody-minded individual that you've ever met. Which, uh, like, afterwards you told me as a compliment. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But, I think you know, that was COVID, the, I mean, falling, nothing stopping me running around the garden and doing my challenge. It's got a palace mentality, to be fair. Like, never say die, keep going, get in those relegation battles, scrap every point you can. Like, it's it's a palace breeding, I think. Wow. (laughs) I love it, you thought about the football. Time to do another thing here. (laughs) Um, 
that I think I'd already agreed to marry you. Not that I, not that I was having any worries. Um, but I think that was the point at which I was like, I think I've made the right choice. This person has got staying power. <laughs> well, that's really sweet. Um, <laughs> one of my uh, highlights, actually. Uh, from you and it's a similar like oh I have made the right decision in deciding to marry this person mm. it's on my birthday um which I didn't think I'd have two in lockdown but it's increasingly looking like I will this is like last April I woke up on my birthday and Joe was like are you gonna go for a run this morning and I was like what's my birthday and she was like I really think you should go for a run this morning so I was like okay yeah maybe that would be a nice way to start the day so if I tried to da, 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 came back and I hear all this like furious scrambling and we have a small flat like everyone in London does. So it's very hard to keep secrets from each other. But Joe had somehow turned our living room into um, like the beachside campsite in the south of France that we were supposed to be going on holiday to that summer and didn't think we'd be able to. So there were inflatable palm trees everywhere. Uh, we drank pina coladas out of pineapples at like nine o'clock in the morning. Um Joe would put like all these little in jokes to the about the campsite everywhere, inflatables everywhere. And you let me watch um Jurassic Park one and two and then Jurassic Park um uh Jurassic World, sorry, uh, all in one day, all three back to back, which was which is basically my dream day. So that was a big highlight, wasn't it? Yeah. I enjoyed the drinking the pina coladas. Um and actually this leads me on to the lockdown low light which is you kicking off this mad challenge to watch Jurassic Park, which you'll see there's a theme in that she, she gets very fixated on one thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's decided to watch Jurassic Park every single week of 2020, uh, 2021, just basically to prove she could do it. And while watching uh, the movie, she's dressed kind of as a hybrid of all the characters. So like... Safari shirt, jean shorts, Timberland. It's all, it's a mixture of I'm on safari, I might be also the Jurassic Park sort of thing. It's um, a mixed metaphor, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, um, it's wonderful. Again, testament to your fantastic staying power, and I hope that you continue doing the challenge. Uh, um, but uh, it also means I have to listen to raptors screeching for two hours a week now. <laughs> Again, in our in our very small flat, it's hard for Joe to avoid my weekly watches of Jurassic Park. But um, yeah, yeah I, I said out loud, I reckon I could watch it every week for a year and not get bored. And then before you knew it, that was happening, um, whether people liked it or not. And we've got guest viewers that join us. Our friends, um, Nikki and Campbell, who may well listen to this. Hi, guys. Uh, joined us over Zoom or joined me over Zoom because Joe went and had a bath um, <laughs> for it on Saturday. Um, <laughs> dropped off dinosaur themed beers dinosaur nest cakes um with an elaborate letter that was meant to be from um the park inviting us to to come and join them for a visit um so yeah i think it, i think it's great i don't know why you think that's a low light it's wonderful um, no, it, indeed it is wonderful and all your hobbies really afford me the opportunity to go and do do whatever i want which is usually take a bath or have a or read my book so it's fine um the alternative is I'm bothering you all the time, which um, Milo, like maybe to, to bridge us in is um, when football started again in May and I was really excited and Palace beat Bournemouth 1-0 and then went on to lose seven games in a row for the rest of that season and um, very quickly burst my bubble of excitement. But yay, Palace are back. Oh, isn't this exciting? And then I was like, oh God, Palace are back. I have to watch this uh, for 90 minutes a week. Um, 
So, yeah, I think uh, that terrible run of abysmal football was something of a low light. Um, also, like, we've spent a, like more time than I feel we should have done considering the strain on the NHS um, in A&E in lockdown. Like, within an hour of the tree falling over in the back garden, Joe spilled boiling water from the kettle down her legs and had to go and get it. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that you look like you've forgotten that. I forgot that that, that was the same day. And you then you also the- cracked your head open a while later and yeah. the kitchen looked like a crime scene. So we've had a lot go on. It's been been eventful, and not least, we decided to get married and planned a wedding, so that was fun. (laughs) Also, a little bit where if people do want to come and join Emma's Jurassic Park Challenge, um, (laughs) we'll eventually run out of friends, because I don't know if you've got 52 separate people. Sorry, I know you are popular, but like, you know, I don't think we've got enough people to do it every week, so you might need some helpers. It's quite fun. It's a good film to watch one. will probably be down for a couple of... uh, couple of re-watches <laughs> just a um, six-year-old watching Jurassic Park together <laughs> yeah um right so over to the what's the serious stuff <laughs> I, I had some questions to ask you about what well about football in general and um kind of how you started off life as a Palace fan so uh I think we need to probably well, I don't know if we need to say I'm not a total novice to football um, and it's been in my life a bit. Um, my granddad's plaque is on the name, um, is sorry, is up at the ground, Talk United, playing more. So I do have an, a bit of an affiliation there. Um, and obviously, since being with you, I've been exposed to a huge amount more. Um, not least the what I what I have been referring to as the year of football, which will never happen again, which is um, going to Palace, Wembley for the women's games. And then Barcelona to see Messi, which was genuinely amazing. And then we capped the year off by going to see Talkie United, which was incredible. <laughs> which was, uh, I don't want to say like a fall from grace. I think that's um, unfair. But it was, it, it was very funny on several levels. Like not least after going to Palace Wolves and um, finding it less than thrilling. Joe then went to the new camp and saw like uh, Barcelona play. I can't remember they played Mallorca, I think, and Messi scored a hat trick yeah. and they won five nil. And Joe was like, "This is great, isn't it wonderful?" And I was like, "But you've been to Palace, like this. How is this different? How is this such more positive experience?" Um, and then you spent the whole time at Torquay United pissing yourself because of the quality of football and like people shanking crosses into Rosette, like the classic eight eight headers in a row in the penalty area, um, all of that stuff. And Joe was just sitting going, oh, my God, they're so rubbish, aren't they? And I was like, keep your voice down. Like, this is your family-affiliated club. Like, like, all of this was just before COVID and everything that happened in 2020. So, I don't know, maybe when Joe watches football, strange thing has happened. That's the reason. That's why. Never happening again. But anyway, so we have... Um, Lots of chats about football, which usually involve me asking you why um, what, why it's so complicated, how, many, how come there are so many clubs, so many players, how <laughs> impenetrable I find it all. But, but that's my thoughts aside. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about Palace and get your lovely affiliation with them. Um, so my first question is, what's so special about them and why them over everyone else? 
Um, all of the other infinite number of, of infinite clubs. there's too many <laughs> clubs too much to remember too many to keep track of um why palace so um my standard answer when people ask how long i've supported palace for is uh since about 50 years before i was born um my granddad on my mum's side uh and all my mum's side of the family are from like carl and wellington way which is prime palace territory uh my granddad um started supporting the club. Uh, one thing I actually really love when I think about my granddad is, um, you know, my mum was the oldest kid. Then there was a bit of a gap between my auntie and my uncle. And my granddad always took my mum to games at Selhurst Park. And this is in like the 60s, 70s. Um, and, you know, my granddad's not with us anymore, um, nor is my mum, sadly. But like the fact that he was so like, my daughter is coming to games with me when, you know, it wasn't as as bigger thing I guess in the 60s is always something that I've kind of more and more as I've got older um admired about him so yeah uh, all my mum's side of the family are mega palace fans um one of my most treasured possessions is I've got a, a program from um 1970 uh when my mum was fan of the week when she was 16 and there's a photo of her in there there is so much of it that is that has dated really badly not least that they're like this week's fan of the week is pretty young linda reed who is 16 years old and nominated by her grandfather and i was like why are you coming to them why are you calling my mum a pretty young 16 year old in a football program <laughs> and then they go on to um to print like their full address <laughs> <They're> like <laughs> linda lives with her mother and father at like and i won't say my nan's address now but like full number um, street name and everything and it's like and it's like and um, she's at, she is at the football with her father every Saturday from 3pm and it's like yes yeah, so if anyone wants to go and try and uh, break in the house will be empty so uh, feel free um, but yeah and then from there as you know um, Joe the people listening don't um, my family's got a lot of connections so my uh, uncle sponsored his insurance company, which is in Beckenham, sponsored the club for a bit. Um, there's a lovely newspaper clipping of him handing over the, the sponsorship to the um, much more famous Richard Branson when he bought the um, shirt sponsorship for Fly Virgin for the 1990 FA Cup final season um, and did a, a genius bit of business where he basically said, yes, you can buy me out of this sponsorship, but we want to do all your like business insurance for Virgin Group, um, which is a, a cracking bit of business, nothing less than you'd expect from, from my uncle. So, um, yeah, so my uncle's name was on Palace's shirts for any diehard Palace fans. Andrew Copeland um, insurance was on the, on the Palace shirts for one year. Um, and now, like through default and family and everything else, my brother and I are um, my little nephew who I mentioned is uh, the only kid at school in Barnet that wears a palace shirt at lunchtime. Like he delights in. Um, <laughs> he said to, apparently he said to someone in the playground recently who's like palace are cool because our logo's an eagle. Yours is just a silly chicken on a football, which was to a Spurs supporting classmate. Like <laughs> this silly chicken on a football. Um, so yeah, and now I am in happier. Uh, less COVID times, a season ticket holder in the lower homestyle in the fun bit um, at Selhurst Park. So um, that is my palace journey. That's a wonderful journey. I think Joe actually, <laughs> actually read a chapter of her book while I was saying all that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Joe's like, I've heard this before. <laughs> 
All right, my next question was, you love the palace so much, you have loads of history with them, um, obviously lots of um, family ties, but um, you moan loads about them as well, about their performance, um, uh, yeah, mainly about the performance. Um, so it's a roller coaster from what I can gather, but if you can change one thing about your football team, the silver bullet to make everything amazing, what would it be? Well, the silver bullet might have arrived this week. You never know. My my one thing that I find really frustrating is our lack of goals and um, our lack of a decent striker. Um, we did that exercise where, I don't know if people saw this going around on Twitter, where like you get your non-football loving partner to like do an 11 of players that they've heard of and like draw out a team sheet. And I was like, I was expecting various Palace players might have made it in. I thought like Zaha might have made it in. But no, they're like, one of, number one name on the team sheet was Benteke. And I was like, how's Benteke entered your consciousness so much? Yeah, well, not I think like you had like Messi and other people. But like Benteke was definitely in the team sheet. And I think you're like, oh, you just talk about him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yes, there's a lot of swearing involved around him. Although he's, he's been all right. It's been better recently. But yeah, I'd, I'd change our lack of goals. Um, we've just, um, without dating this podcast, signed a new striker, Jean-Philippe Meteta from Mainz in the Bundesliga. Um, we have a terrible... Uh, track record of signing players from the Bundesliga and them not doing very well but hopefully this will be that but yeah there's a lot of um, like I don't know there's not even a lot of huff and puff and trying to score there's just a total lack of effectiveness in scoring goals <laughs> Joe's face I'm like, what? like I don't know what to say to that <laughs> what's the follow-up question what, what follow-up question do I have to ask you I was, I was wondering if you might want to like I don't know fancy new ground or something or maybe um, you know, when you sit in the lower home cell, you have that like um, rubbish bit where uh, I'm trying to describe it. It's the bit where all the cameras are at the top, so you can't see anything. Like, wouldn't you just take that away or something like that? I'm just so, thinking aesthetics more than actual gameplay. <laughs> I was like, I've been to Selhurst Park, and I think it could do with a few nice plants in like the concourse, yeah, or like sure. a lick of paint. <laughs> And this is, I mean, I actually consider giving this as one of my lowlights of lockdown, which has just been watching you like rearrange the plants in the flat for the last year. It's like every yeah. now and again. Oh, oh my God, you did it when I was on a work call the other day. Like you came and just picked up this massive like tree, which is next to which is like a five foot like house plant tree. And started like trying to move it across the land. And there's like leaves coming in shot on this work zoom. <laughs> like getting hit in the face by this plant. I was like, why does this have to happen now? Um, <laughs> there are some yes. things that just take me and you've got to get it done otherwise you just don't remember and it has to go on a list and then the list becomes hard to manage. And Oh, it's, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's so hard. <laughs> but um, yes, well, you, well, when you came to Sohas Park, you sat in the after wait stand because we wanted oh, sorry. to sit together. So I gave my, my season ticket to um, my brother, I think. But um, yes, in the after wait, there is terrible visibility, famously. There's the gantry, which is where all the cameras are, which stops you from seeing about 30% of the pitch if you're sat towards the back of the stand. Um, 
on the shiny new stadium, we're trying to make it shinier for you, Joe. You'll be pleased to hear. Um, but there's a Sainsbury's built into our stadium, um, famously, and Sainsbury's refused to let us build our shiny new stand because it would mean us taking some of their car park space and, and buying the land off them. I know, right? It's ridiculous. Liberties. It's awful. Absolute, absolute liberties. So the shiny new main stand is in the hands of a, of a small Sainsbury's <laughs> local, which is the most palace thing ever. Um, <laughs> Well, what I will give Palace and the ground is they have amazing chips ketchup. You know, they have that like really runny mm. ketchup that you put on. And I'm sure that most grounds have that. But if I were to go back, that would be one of the main reasons. It's because I can't find like chip shop ketchup. Anyway. <laughs> if I was to go back, you, I'm sure I, I'd just smuggle some out for you. Oh, okay. um, we, do, we do call ourselves Sauce <laughs> a bit, um, Palace. Uh, so maybe that's to do with the ketchup rather than our saucy players. What does that mean? Uh, sauce is basically a like slang term for our sorts of players who are very cool South Londony players, like show up with their little Gucci wash bags and their oh, Gucci that kind of sauce, sliders. Yeah. Like so, and we have quite a few players who like Mamadi Sacco, who you know because I've told you about him being homeless in Paris when he was a teenager. Yeah. Wilf Sarkar, um, Michi Batshuayi, like we've got a lot of players who are like, I'm going to show up to training in a full-on Gucci tracksuit. So um, a Palace fan, uh, when Batshuayi re-signed for us, actually bought the URL sourcefc.com. So it would automatically redirect to Palace's website. But it's not to do with ketchup, so I've lost you, haven't I? <laughs> no, I love that. That's very, very, very entrepreneurial. <laughs> Um, I love it. Okay, right. So, um, on uh, so I wanted to kind of change facts slightly mm-hmm. and talk a bit about your do-gooding. Um, <laughs> because before I came on the scene and sucked up all your time and repeatedly hit you in the face with plants about me, um, you co-founded Proud and Palace with Jeff Fuller, um, which... Um, if I were to try and describe it, is that it's um, the Crystal, Crystal Palace's LGBT fan group. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's um, right. And you host a very funny and good podcast called the Prime and Palace Podcast, which you um, re- regularly get drunk on. So it, it, it's funny. <laughs> well, we haven't um, got the, the Palace Beer Festival at the moment. Uh, so yeah. Every week, the Beer Festival on the podcast instead. Yeah. So he's just spreading it out for the year. Yeah. Um, and on, on the podcast, on that podcast, you tend to use your serious I'm commentating on a match voice and your <laughs> podcast voice, <laughs> which you don't seem to be really doing today. Which is Well, yeah, it's because I'm talking to you. Whereas, and apparently when I do the Proud and Palace podcast, I've got a like very football-y voice that I use. Which, Joe, would you like to do an impression of uh, my, my podcast voice? I don't know, it's very much just like, it's like serious, (laughs) I don't know, it's hard to say, it's like, I'm a serious football commentator person, or like I'm in the pub, taking seriously. So anyway, you, could you tell us a couple of things about Proud and Palace, so firstly, how did Proud and Palace come about, Mm -hmm. and what are you doing with it at the moment? What's your, what's your mission? What's your plan? 
what's your plan um so Fallon Palace came about and I know you said co-founded I think like all credit for the original uh kicking off must go to Steph um who went to a Pride in Football event so Pride in Football is the umbrella organization that includes all of the different LGBT fan groups so Proud Lily Whites which is the Spurs group Gay Gooners um Proud Canaries, which is the Norwich group, which are in a uh. big sidebar, because when we were watching Drag Race UK, um, one of the drag queens wore like a Norwich City strip, like modified, not an official one. It was very much one that you'd buy from like a stall on Tottenham Court Road um, that she'd modified. And I said to Joe, oh, I bet Proud Canaries are absolutely loving this, like a Norwich strip. And Joe went, what's the Norwich group called again? The Proud Marys. <laughs> <laughs> which is incredible and um I think the name of like the Tina Turner fan group actually like the official LGBT fan group of Tina Turner which I they would... need to well if they don't someone else needs to be proud Mary's because that's fantastic yeah maybe Southampton um but so uh where did I go to that oh yeah so Steph went to this pride and football thing and did the classic thing of going oh why isn't there a palace group and then um because she's very intelligent lady it didn't take her long to go oh that's because no one's set one up and maybe I could do that so on the train home she went on Twitter got the handle proud on palace sent a tweet didn't really think much of it um one of the people that saw that tweet was me um, because at the time we were closing in on the signing of Yoan Kabai at Palace. So I was just refreshing the CPFC hashtag on Twitter like all afternoon at my desk at work, not really working, um, hoping for more Kabai news and instead saw one which was, hi, we're the new LGBT fan group for Crystal Palace. Like, let me know if you want to get involved. So um, I slid into the DMs and said, this sounds like a bit of me. Please, can I get involved? Um, met up with Steph and a guy called Dino who um, you know isn't as much involved anymore he's had um, you know a, a lot going on lovely guy Dino but um, so we met up in a in a pub and um, have basically stayed in pubs for about four or five years uh, since so um, you know we, we kept it going for a bit and then it really started kicking off when uh, miraculously like just under two weeks before Palace were in the FA Cup final, um, the club messaged us on Twitter and said, oh, we've seen you doing this. Like, we'd love to meet up with you and talk to you about it more. Um, let us know how we can help. We want you to be like the official fan group. We want to like back you as much as we can. So, yeah, we went into the club's offices in Soho um, had a really good meeting with um, Terry Byfield, who's the long-standing director of comms there, and uh, a guy called Sam Jordan, who used to run social media for the club, but is um, he's left now, but he's still like one of our biggest supporters and allies and an all-around palace hero. So we met up with them, and they kind of said, oh, what do you want from us? And we got... Um, they gave us a page in the program every week to write about what we were doing, which uh, nothing forces you to be active as a group more than knowing you have to write about it in the program every single week. It's like, oh God, I haven't done anything this week. Like quick, organize a social, organize an event, do something. Um, so yeah, uh, that's how it all started. And now we've got, I think it's about 300 uh, members on our mailing list which is what we kind of consider our membership but we've got about 3,000 followers on um, Twitter we've got a podcast as you said um, we speak to the club all the time and like essentially our our mission statement is to um, make supporting 
Crystal Palace, like uh, uh, totally comfortable and um, like frictionless experience, I guess, for LGBT fans. So that includes everything from like working on the signage around the grounds on like how you report discriminatory language if you hear it. We did um, a really great campaign with 40-odd other fan groups called um, There's 99 Reasons to Hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them um, because Brighton are our biggest rivals at Palace. And um, a few seasons ago, that rivalry was still often articulated using homophobic um, slurs and language in the songs. Um, And when Brighton were re-promoted to the Premier League, there was, a, we were just concerned as, as many people would be in front, we've seen on social media that those chants were going to resurface. So we did an amazing campaign um, with the support of lots of other fan groups around that. And very pleased to say now that like those chants have almost entirely been eradicated. Like they still crop up. It would be stupid of me to think they don't. I heard it um, like last season, but they are very quickly shut down. And like there's that allyship piece of just empowering other people to like, call out the person that that sits next to them in the stadium and say like you know what that's not okay like we don't do that anymore it's discriminatory or whatever so yeah we've um what else do we do we've had loads of fun at pride in london which amy has joined us for before um marching through london with our absolutely massive banner um which i shouldn't be in charge of ordering flags and banners because i don't apparently have good sense of size um we've done part of pride in london because it it spanned the entire width of um, Regent Street that we were. It was <laughs> yeah, exactly. Massive club, massive banners. Um, so yeah, and like what we're trying to do more and more of, or what what we're trying to do more and more of is um, we've worked a lot like within the club at talking to existing Palace fans and talking to the club about like you know just just wiping out that sort of behaviour and that language that does exist in the in the stadiums and where we want to take it now really is how we bring in people from around South London who might not have thought Selhurst Park was a welcoming place for them and grow the fan base by bringing in more people. So working with other local LGBT um, community groups and different groups around South London and just making sure that anything that they thought, like what going to a football match, like, no, that's not a place that I'm ever going to have a good time. Um, Taking all that and like, and just showing that it is a welcoming environment. It's a place they can come and join. It's like this huge, crazy, colourful family. Um, and like j- what we're trying to do is just work on, I guess, like now that the Palace fan base is, is I don't want to say better because that feels like a very trivial word for it, but like they've gone on this journey. They've eradicated some of those chants that are problematic. Um, now, like, let's grow that fan base because... Like when Sainsbury's give up and we've got a massive new stand to fill, we're going to need more. Um, <laughs> we're going to need more people to fill that stand. And I can see on Zoom, Joe's gone because the cat was just meowing for his dinner in the background. So, um, Cat Stevens was—he was always on the time bomb for this podcast. It's close to his dinner time. He was always going to start at some point, and here he is now. While I'm trying to talk about Pratt and Palace, and I'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, nowhere near his dinner time, and he starts earlier and earlier every day, and it's awful. He's fluffy a little tyrant. He's a fluffy tyrant. <laughs> he is such a fluffy tyrant. Um, cool. So yeah, that's what we're doing with with Proud and Palace, and like obviously it's been slowed down this year. Our, our dreams of doing like 
a quiz night at the two brewers in Clapham and doing all of this stuff have been, um, you know, spoiled slightly. Um, we've been trying to, we've been working a lot with the Palace for Life Foundation. Um, they do incredible work. Like um, they've been, they've set up like a, a kitchen out of the club's catering facilities um, as a food bank. They, when the, during the winter months, they open Selhurst Park as a homeless shelter um, during the week for people to sleep in. They do um, lots in schools around South London. So I've done some like anti-bullying uh, assemblies and stuff in uh, aimed at people who are going from primary school into secondary school um specifically around like bullying on lgbt plus like um students and trying to explain to them like what that language means and it's really great because you've got someone in an official palace tracksuit who comes in and goes like right this is emma and she's from proud and palace and she's going to talk to you about like homophobic bullying and like you know all of that stuff and because there's a guy with a palace tracksuit introducing me all the kids are like oh okay yeah cool like like football's got this amazing way of engaging them that if I just come in and said by the way don't like use these words against each other in the playground um they might not have had so um yeah like I said like loads of it has been slowed down I think this year um because of all the all the ways you'd normally connect with people has become harder and harder but um, I'm really like, and I know you said earlier, like what would be the one thing I could change about Palace and on a superficial level, like a striker who can score goals is up there on a deeper level. Like I just love it if the crowd and the fan base at Selhurst Park looked more like South London, like a- across all demographics and across all like diversity. You know, it's like you walk down Croydon High Street and it doesn't look like Selhurst Park. like you go around Lewisham it doesn't look like Selhurst Park like why aren't people engaging with the club like why aren't they feeling they can come in and why is it only a certain I guess demographic that um that like really feels and I think you know we're better than a lot of clubs but it doesn't look like a, a representation of South London to me when I go there and I think that's um like that would be my silver bullet on a non on an on and off pitch level but also with the striker that scores 20 goals a season <laughs> um I just wanted to and um you've ended on a really um put, like point you know now now I'm gonna ask you a silly question <laughs> <Sounds about right>. <laughs> <laughs> um well one of the things that actually I wanted to pick up on first was the Brighton rivalry because um it's it's deeply painful for me because I lived there for most of my 20s and have a, and a really big affiliation to Brighton and it's sad that you um, have to hate them because of some sort of tribal hatred. Um, <laughs> and we've, I did a bit of a child offensive on you last year. Last, uh, I can't remember when we went. It was in one of the lockdown breaks mm-hmm. and had a wonderful time. And you said you had a fantastic time. So now I feel like maybe I've done my bit for the Palace Brighton. But I don't, I don't hate Brighton as a place. Like okay. I like Brighton as a place. It's just, it's just the football team. Okay. Are a problem to me. But and it's very far away from the town, I suppose. So yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll put it to one side. Anyway, so the um oh yeah, so the question I wanted to ask you was I feel like lockdown obviously lockdown and pandemic, whatever, has changed football so much. Um and one of the things that I noticed for a period of time, and I don't think this is necessarily true now, but I thought the palace players in particular were playing immeasurably better without all of you lot there banging your big drum 
and shouting and singing and singing all your songs about every single player running through the whole squad with a different different song. Uh, there's a good one about Ben Teke. No, what's the one? We do the, we do Seven Nation Army to Christian Ben Teke. Oh, Christian Ben Teke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Um, But yeah, you know my feelings on this. So I feel like that's changed how football is played. Or it's probably changing a group of footballers. And how, like, do you think that they're going to really struggle when you lot all come back and fight over your seats like toddlers and bang your big drum? (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Do I think they'll struggle when we come back and fight (laughs) over our seats like toddlers and bang our big drum and sing all our silly songs? Um, I hope not because I want to go back and, and fight over my seat like a toddler and, and, and uh, well I don't have a drum the HF have got a drum but I'd like to think that they'll still want to take it um, do you know, but there was, I can't remember there was something recently about like um, I'm, I'm not going to struggle to remember who it was a player and I feel like it might have been a Spurs player who's like been playing really well recently and they'd said they kind of enjoy like the freedom of not having a crowd there and they're not like necessarily like everyone thinks that players are these huge showmen and actually for a lot of them like there is there there might be a bit more freedom and certainly when Mm. like this season started again there were all those crazy weeks where like every game it felt like it had like six or seven goals in and your game could be like five, four and you'd still be last on match of the day because it's like the most boring game that happened that weekend. Um, And there's all sorts of theories about why that is, which is like, were players playing with more freedom because there weren't crowds there? Um, Was it a fitness thing and that like players were tiring sooner because they hadn't had much of a preseason, which means like, if players are tired, then they tend to be sloppier and give away more goals and all of this. Like, um, I, I, I don't think, for, I don't think like the fan experience will change massively when we go back. I'd like to think that there, there might be a bit more of a sense of like, um, I was going to say a bit of a sense of perspective, but come on, this is football fans we're talking about. <laughs> like everyone's going to be so excited to get back that I think like some of the policy moaning is will maybe like go a bit like they said some of the like fighting like toddlers over who sits where might go because everyone's just going to be happy to be back and together and like bouncing and singing and having a good time um so it's like it's a bit of an opportunity for a reset of like bad fan habits um but yeah, I don't think we're not going to stop singing the songs, Joe. <laughs> like we'll go back, like so. Let's all just sit quietly for now. <laughs> yeah, because of behind closed doors games, like we actually did better. Like that's not going to happen. I'm sorry to tell you. No, I'll still come back with like my husky post football voice. Like yeah, sounding like you smoked a pack of twenty Benson. Like <laughs> 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 um, all right, so I've got a last question for you, which is um now you work in sports PR slash marketing. <laughs> I see I know that. Um I also work in PR, but in a much, much more boring sort of sector, which is B2B technology. Um so you have much higher chances of meeting um, celebs or people that you admire 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I know you've met loads of amazing people. So have you met any of your footballing heroes? Oh. And who would you like to meet? Who who would be your like ultimate next person to meet either through work or just um, do gooding as a second? What a question. This feels like we're on like a really early date or something. <laughs> if you could have anyone for a dinner party, who would you have and why? Like, oh, can I just sidebar on that? Before sure. we went on our first date, one of them is, um, uh, one of them is, uh, like text to me was, I hope you enjoy watching someone eat wings like they've been shipwrecked. <laughs> well, yeah, you were like, should we go to Brewdog in Soho? And I was like, Yes, but I'm, there's going to be a certain aesthetic that comes with that. Which I'm, 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 I've got what I'd give us some wings tonight. Um, cookie monster. <laughs> but this cookie monster thing has just come out of nowhere today. <laughs> I know. Um, okay, so what was the actual question? Have I met any footballing heroes? Yes. yes. So um, I've met lots of and worked with lots of great um, footballers. Uh, I didn't actually speak to him at all, but I've been at massive Adidas events and, and shoots and things with um, the GOAT, Lionel Messi himself. Um, but uh, I don't know, like, um, I met Zidane and worked with Zidane at an event, which is just like his aura and everything about him is just like mesmeric. And actually there was, there was this amazing moment where like, <laughs> Someone was taking him in one direction and I was taking Xavi, who uh, played for Barcelona for like ever, in another direction. And Zidane and Xavi just clock each other and like have this massive hug. And like they never played together. They played for rival teams because Zidane played for Madrid for a while and Xavi played for Barcelona. But when you see these two like iconic generation defining players stopping and having like moments of respect like that is is incredible. Um, who, uh, my second bit of the question was, who would you like to meet? Who's your like ultimate? Oh, what footballer or just everybody? Yeah, not like Lady Gaga, but not like Lady Gaga, not Taylor Swift. Can I have Taylor Swift? Oh yeah, Taylor Swift. Emma's hanging around on Hampton Heath at the moment because she thinks she's going to bump into Taylor Swift, who's apparently living around here. <laughs> yeah, well, her boyfriend's from Crouch End, which is where we live, and she was she was papped out. Uh, walking on Hampstead Heath the other weekend, so we know she's in lockdown over here now. So um, I'm Emma's just got a pen. Just totally non-creepy way, just in a badger hide on um, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, cool, eh? Just playing love story on the ukulele, hoping she'll appear. Um, <laughs> oh, hello, Stevens. Um, oh, god, this cat. Uh, I've never, I've never met Beckham. I'd love to be uh, to meet Beckham. I think he's um, like obviously iconic, incredible guy. Um, yeah, so we, I don't know, like, like the, the joy I get from all of these little interactions is, like, just when people really surprise you. Like, yeah. not, it's not necessarily, like, oh, this is the biggest name or whatever. It's just, like, oh, that person put more into that interaction and they, they probably had to do, you know. Like, that's those are the things that I really like. Yeah. Do you know who I'd like to meet in football? Oh, sorry. Jo- sorry, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, you haven't asked me any questions. It's okay. Um, <laughs> um, this is like one of our early dates, isn't it? Like, you just yeah. ask me loads of questions, me banging on about myself for an hour, and you're like, is she going to ask oh, me anything? Oh. Yeah, just very earnest answers. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'd really like to meet... Um, the person that I call called the cocksure captain. 
<laughs> this is Declan Rice. <laughs> so, as soon as he came on screen on a on a game, on a uh, game. game in a game as a part of an ensemble, and um, he, I was like, that man is a cocksure person. Cocksure person. I don't know about him. <laughs> so I wanted to find out if he's actually like a nice person or whether he lives up to the hype in my head. He, he's nice. We've had a. I've worked with him before. And he's um, he's very nice. Like he is quite cocksure, as you as you said. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's just he he is what he is. He's not a he's not a vindictive or like nasty person. Well, I'll be certain of that. This is now a Declan. This is now a Declan Rice fan pod. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. No. Well, jury's out for you then. <laughs> well, so that's. That's all I had. Thank you so much for coming on um, this podcast, Emma. <laughs> Thank you for asking me these questions from the other side of our kitchen door. <laughs> it's okay. The cat's like meowing in earnest now, so I feel like we have to wrap up, otherwise he's just going to ruin the rest. <laughs> yeah, he's creating a natural end point, isn't he? <laughs> Stevens, have you got anything to add? Yeah, he does, always. <laughs> all right. So it's been lovely talking to you, Joe. <laughs> now let's go back to sitting in front of the telly in silence. <laughs> uh, we've got Drag Race to watch. That's okay, what we're doing tonight. Yeah. Awesome. Bye.